What's up, everyone, and welcome back to our second half of this episode 34 of Downline. I am Kyle Bust, joined by my co-host Fred Mahonda, and our guest, Christian Alvarez. We've talked some lockout, we've talked some NBA trade deadline, which we'll get into very shortly again. And we did a mock draft for the NBA All-Star Starters and Reserves. Before we get into our Super Bowl picks and talk to the UFC and Olympics, we're going to break down this James Harden trade that just went down. And it is absolutely electric to see what happens here before the trade deadline happens. We got an hour and a half left before the trade deadline occurs. And again, this updated trade, the 76ers get James Harden and Paul Millsap. And the Nets end up getting Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first rounders. So this is a trade in which both sides seemed to get what they wanted. I didn't really ever seem like Ben Simmons was going to suit up for Philadelphia, but they get their guy and James Harden, which is ridiculous. And you, you take a look at the updated Sixers depth chart at point guard. They have Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton shooting guard insert James Harden. They have Kirk and Corkmouth behind him, small forward, Mateus Feibel, and Danny Green, power forward, is going to be Tobias Harris and George Niang. And at center, obviously, Joel Embiid. And then Millsap is now the rotational center, replacing Drummond. I'll ask you first, Revan, how big is this trade? This is huge. I mean, you think about these are two playoff teams. And when we get into May and June, this could easily affect the playoffs in terms of, you know, which team – you know, could advance and which team loses. I think when you think about which team ultimately won this team and won this trade in terms of for this season, it I think it has to be the Brooklyn Nets, to be quite honest, because you think mm-hmm. about, you know, even when you – obviously we don't know how, you know, how they're going to be put into this offense, but when you think about their games, you think about Ben Simmons, uh, the ball he can score, but – I think the one name that really stands out is Seth Curry and the way he's able, you know, to shoot the ball, just like his brother, you know, just, you know, we've seen that from him this year. Um, And so ultimately it just adds more three point depth. And now Kevin Durant gets to play with another Curry. Yeah, this is absolutely ridiculous because in this case, the Nets lineup could be really, really good. Uh, Made up of Kyrie Irving potentially, Patty Mills, obviously you could even work Seth Curry in that starting lineup if you wanted to, replacing Kyrie during home games. And then obviously Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons is likely going to be their power forward. Andre Drummond likely to be their starting center now. So, I mean, I don't know. If it's up to me, I would say I guess the Nets win the trade, but it ultimately worked out for both sides just because Mm -hmm. both teams have so much depth. I mean, Christian – what is your initial reaction to this trade? <laughs> well, I uh, it changes the landscape of the NBA for sure. I mean, now the, the band is broken up between uh, what a lot of people thought was going to be uh, the biggest threat to, to winning an NBA championship in the Brooklyn Nets when they had that three-headed monster of Kyrie, Durant, and Harden. Um, and, and now, you know, Harden's no longer there and and – I mean, the Nets haven't been on a on a great uh, streak as of late. I think they've lost like nine in a row, um, and things have really fallen apart. And I mean, for Harden to to want to leave, I mean, it just makes me it makes me curious, like to know what what's going on behind the scenes that we don't know about happening there. Because um, you know, obviously, there's been some some drama um, aligning with. Uh, you know, Kyrie Irving and his whole thing about the the vaccine and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, now seeing this come out of James Harden and it was like leading up to this trade. Uh, I think I saw like Brian Windhorst like tweeted something about like uh, saying that like James wanted to be traded, but like he was very like scared to be like kind of vocal about it of like not wanting to like switch to another franchise like within like consecutive seasons or something like that. Um, and yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a big thing. I mean, same thing on the other hand for Philadelphia. I mean, they've been dealing with a disaster mess 
with Ben Simmons ever since he didn't want to report for like training camp. And, you know, he had that incident where he came to practice and he got kicked out by Doc Rivers uh, because he didn't want to, you know, be running plays or he didn't want to, you know, line up for, for playing defense or whatever. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, big win-win for, for either side here. And, and like you guys mentioned, they're both playoff teams. Uh, so really it's just going to be about, uh, whether they have the right pieces now to, to get things, uh, going for that run, uh, deep into the playoffs. I mean, uh, it's, it's, yeah, fun, fun lineups on both sides. I mean, Joel Embiid, uh, you know, Tobias Harris, you know, getting to have James Harden now too, who's a, you know, great scorer in the league, uh, you know, a great addition to that backcourt for the Nets, having, still having KD and, and Kyrie and then getting somebody like Seth Curry and still having Patty Mills and, uh, you know, it's just a fun, fun rotations for both of those teams that we, be fun to to see how it how it plays out what they end up doing for their permanent starting lineups or any alterations that they do but big big news in in the nba for sure absolutely and also another trade just went down it's the celtics getting Derek white from the spurs who get josh richardson so backup guards being traded right now as well and also Woj just tweeted that the Nets are still working to be aggressive in more trades today, potentially, just because they got those two first-rounders to the name. So that is massive on their end. And big news here in the league. I mean, you heard my reaction <laughs> when it happened. And I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how James Harden, I think, and B play together because it seems like Harden always wants the ball in his hands. Obviously, his assist numbers have gone up exponentially it kind of seems like but um that's a fun that's gonna be a fun team to watch i think if he returns the old hard form and then also you see the nets with Kyrie and the whole vaccine playing at home thing i'm interested to see if that's going to change for the playoffs at all but even if it doesn't patty mills being the starting point guard and then inserting steph curry as shooting guard i mean with the rest of them if they're healthy that's a solid lineup as well so this is going to be a really good inning i think to the NBA regular season, and we'll see what happens. But moving on from that, we're going to get into our Super Bowl picks, the Bengals against the Rams. And this is going to be a fantastic game, in my opinion. The Rams are four-point favorites playing in what is technically the home stadium. And this is I think it'll be an electric game. We have a really high-powered offense and I think an underrated defense in the Bengals facing just a stacked Rams team on both sides. But at the same time, the Bengals have surprised a lot of people this season in making their Super Bowl run. So, Christian, we will start with you. Who's your pick to win the Super Bowl this year? You guys wouldn't happen to know somebody that could get me a ticket inside, would you? Yeah. <laughs> as long as they have five thousand plus dollars. Would that change your pick, Kyle? Would that change your pick, Christian? <laughs> I I don't think so, but <laughs> I just I just have to say it. I just I just have to throw it out there. You never know. But um <laughs> um this is a a tough game for me to pick because it's got great storylines for for either winning side. Um, but ultimately for me, I think it's, uh, my head says that the Los Angeles Rams will win the Super Bowl. My heart wants the Bengals to win. Um, but overall, I think it's going to be the LA Rams. I think they just have a little bit more, uh, more star power on both sides of the ball. They can make plays. I mean, you got talents like, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and, and Cooper Cup and, and, you know, on the defense, you get Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you got just, I think, guys that they can make more plays, uh, more big uh, big game moment type plays. Uh, but the, I, th- I think it's going to be a great game, just like Kyle said. It should be a high-scoring game. I think both teams present a lot of firepower on offense. I mean, I just mentioned the Rams, but same thing for the Bengals. I mean, Joe Burrow, 
has been playing well. And, and, you know, when he's got a, a great wide receiver and Jamar Chase and, you know, Joe Mixon as his running back and, uh, you know, they got a, a kicker with a heck of a leg like Evan McPherson, um, who, who knows could, you know, come down to him making that, that big time uh, kick to clinch the, the title for them. Uh, it's, it's just a, a good storyline for both sides. I think uh, really, I think the offenses are going to do what they want it to do out there. I think it's more just falling on the defense, which defense is going to step up uh, to make that stop, to possibly make that uh, stack, to, to get that interception, to, you know, stop a, a fourth down on the, on a drive. Um, you know, I think, I think it could come down to something like that. Um, but it's a, uh, yeah, I think going to be a, a really fun game to, to watch out there in Inglewood. We'll see if, if history repeats for, for the Rams of being the second team in NFL history to win in their own home stadium, um, you know, or if it will be for the Bengals for, for that franchise to get their first Super Bowl title ever, which would be for great for those fans because it would uh, eliminate one of the 12 teams in, in the league that has never won the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, it'd be cool to see one of those clubs finally get theirs, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the Super Bowl. It's going to be, Fun game. I, if you have a, a score prediction you want from me, I think it's going to be uh, Rams 35, uh, Bengals 27. Right. When I think about this game, I think about you mentioned the defenses, and what that does is it's going to bring so much, I think it's a lot of challenges of the run game for each offense, um, whether it's Joe Mixon, whether it's Cam Akers, whether it's Sony Michelle. I think that'd be. I think that'd be the biggest challenge and whoever is going to be able to run the ball better, I think is probably going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, we've seen it from Joe Mixon all year long, pro bowler. We've seen it from, we saw from what Cam Akers is able to do over the last few weeks coming off an Achilles injury that he tore earlier, I think it was training camp or in July. And for him to come back and play in the Super Bowl six months after that shows you the heart that he has. Ultimately, I think I'm going to ride with the Bengals here. And you think about what they've been able to do, what Joe Burrow has been able to do, been able, you know, for how young he is, for how young some of his receivers are, them to get to the Super Bowl, it's, they have the opportunity here. And, you know, that's not without thinking about Aaron Donald and what he possibly could do in his home, in his home ballpark. Yeah, this is, I mean, for me, it's really unpredictable. I think it's going to be a very close game. And we've already talked about this throughout the playoffs, you know, just how stacked the Rams are, how they sold out to really just get the roster that they have. And the Bengals, I mean, just, really underrated roster on their own end, in my opinion. I mean, just their defense itself. But, man, I, I don't know. I, I kind of want to take the Rams, but at the same time, there's something telling me the Bengals have a shot. I, I think the, the biggest worry in this game, just for either side, is going to be the secondary for the Bengals. I mean, they have some guys out there. Chidabe Awuji has been great this season. Um, we've seen, you know, just Jesse Bates as well. He's fantastic safety. But my thing is, Eli Apple's going to be out there. And we all know Eli Apple. And the question is, who is going to be able to contain Cooper Cup? And I think he's going to be the biggest factor in this game, obviously, besides, you know, Jamar Chase on the other end. It's tough to call, but I, I still, at the same time, even with that question mark, I still feel like the Bengals are going to be able to put some pressure on Stafford you know, cause him to make a couple bad passes and you know how prone to interceptions that he can be. And if they're able to do that, I think that's really the recipe for success for the Bengals just because their offense, obviously, they throw a lot, but they can be balanced as well in the run game. So, man, I don't know. I think I'm going to take the Bengals by three. Very risky that I, I even take them to begin with, but I'll take the underdogs by three. Don't know what the score exactly is going to be, but um, that's my pick. If, if I was a betting man, betting on Super Bowl MVP, though, 
Uh, Aaron Donald is plus fifteen hundred to win that, and Von Miller is plus four thousand. So those are two solid bets if you think the Rams are going to win and you think it's going to be because of their defense. But I don't know. I I'm going to take the Bengals. I think uh, I think one thing too that I I haven't checked on it as of late, but one thing that could be an important factor for both teams too is uh, their tight end play. Because I know both of them got injured the last time that they they had plays. I mean, Tyler Higby got injured, and I think like after that that victory against the Niners, he like didn't participate in practice for like the next like, or he was like a limited participant for like the next three days, or four four days, something like that. And then um, I'm not sure what the status was on the Bengals tight end, but he was like, I mean, it was bad enough that he came out of the game and came back on crutches. Like, um, so I mean, you, you know it. For quarterbacks, it's always a kind of a safety blanket to have a big tight end that can get them that that conversion that they need on third down, or you know somebody to go to in the end zone, or, you know make a big uh, make a big play for you. Um, but yeah, I guess the the question lines too is uh, you know can that Bengals offensive line hold up against that uh, you know stacked Rams defense. Um, you know which quarterback is going to be more poised in the pocket. It's uh, it's hard. I mean, but the even though the Rams are the favorite, you know the Bengals have a legitimate shot. They have a legitimate shot. So yeah, um, it'd be crazy if Joe Burrow gets it and then he becomes the first QB to win a Heisman national championship and a Super Bowl. Um, and doing that in his second year in the league, that would be wild. Um. Yeah, it's a fun fun game. I'm I'm really excited for the game this year. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely electric. It is this Sunday afternoon, three thirty Pacific, I believe. And then also, we are looking forward to a fantastic halftime show as well. A bunch of artists coming together, um, a few LA natives as well. So that's going to be fun to watch, and looking forward to that. But moving on from the NFL and unfortunately what will be the last game of football we'll have for a while is UFC 271 and that's going to be in Houston on February the 19th obviously for me at least when I take a look at the two um, co-main events here I mean obviously you have Derek Lewis and Taifu Vasa and Derek Lewis you know coming home to fight in Houston I mean Christian, what do you what do you think about that? And do you think he's gonna win? He's uh he's got a chance to redeem himself because I it's kind of ironic. The last time we talked about Derek Lewis was the last time I was on the show and I was talking about uh when he was gonna fight Ciro Gone to for the interim uh heavyweight championship in Houston, um, in which he he fell short and so uh, you know, he gets a chance to redeem himself. It's a it's a really fun matchup that he has against uh, Taito Ivasa. Anything can happen with the heavyweights. Yeah. I mean, these guys all have that one punch knockout power. Um, you know, it's it, it's a, a tough pick for me to make, but I, I think I'd have to roll with Derek Lewis um, just because I've seen him. I've seen him last longer in fights. Um, and still deliver that that power that he possesses. Uh, Taito Ivasa is, I mean, heavy hitter too, but his fights mm-hmm. don't last as long. Um, so I th- I think it just comes down to who who can withstand the other's punches longer. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if if you see Derek Lewis win, great for for the hometown guy. If not, uh, Taito Ivasa gets it, and uh, rather than what he does, uh, what he calls a shoey. Um, where he he chugs a beer out of a shoe. He uh, he proposed for this fight that if he wins, he wants to drink a beer out of Derek Lewis's like cup. Like <laughs> Derek Lewis was like, that's disgusting. Like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, I I absolutely wouldn't let him do it. So I, who knows? But um, yeah, fun <laughs> fun fun thing for uh for the heavyweights this Saturday. Um, of course the the big headline too is uh. Israel Adesanya going against Robert Whitaker rematch of that fight uh, that we saw when uh, Israel Adesanya became the middleweight championship, uh, middleweight mm-hmm. champion of the world. Um, 
for that fight, I, I think um, I'm going to have to roll with Adesanya again just because in that first fight, I already saw him take Whitaker's best punch um, and he was able to withstand that. And, and the fact that he had a counter punch that, you know, sat Whitaker on, on his butt. I mean, it was uh, it's it's going to be a good fight. I think obviously Whitaker, I feel like is in, in kind of better form Israel Adesanya. Like, yeah, he's, he's defended his title and stuff, but his, his recent track record hasn't been the most, um, right. I don't want to be like disrespectful, but like, it just hasn't been as the most impressive compared to the other champions. I think like right. he had that weird fight with you all Romero, where it was like, you know, they're kind of waiting for each other to make the first move and nothing happened. And then it's like he stepped up to go against Jan Blachowicz in which, you know, that was nothing to be ashamed of. I think he had a right. valiant effort. You know, it's just sometimes I think that may happen when you're going against a guy that that's a, a weight class above you. Um, you know, he, he did have a good pouring out against uh, Paulo Costa that, uh, you know, he really had a he really got what he wanted in that grudge match. Um, and then uh, Marlon Vittori, that was kind of another weird one where it was like there was a lot of trash talk. But once it actually came to the fight, it was like Vittori kind of seemed like, uh, you know, he has a lot to learn. And, and I think he he might have uh, it, it was a big step up for him. Um, but but yeah, I mean, Whitaker, I mean, he's listen, the, the guy was a champion, too. He hits hard. Um, he's gone through a murderer's row. Uh, going against some some top tier talent, um, but uh, yeah, ultimately I'm I'm riding with Alessandro. I think he he gets a TKO or or a knockout mm-hmm. in round four. I don't think this fight goes the distance. Um, that was my prediction for that one. I know we also have another uh, middleweight fight between uh, Derek Brunson and Jared Cannonier. Yep. Um, either winner of that fight, I think, is the next one that will fight Alessandro or. Whitaker, if he ends up winning, I think either of these guys are deserving of a title shot. Kind of a tough one. I think this will honestly be the, uh, it could be fight of the night. Um, Both of these guys are kind of like at the tail end of their careers. And like, this is kind of their last push to really make it if they want to try to uh, claim that they got their hands on UFC gold uh, before their career's over in MMA. Um, Hard, hard choice, but I'm I'm going with the killer gorilla, Jared Cannonier. The dude just has a a power that that I don't see many middleweights possess. Um, and and Derek Brunson, I mean, he's he's the one on the hotter streak technically, but uh, I think just something about Cannonier's punching power is is a little different, slightly different. Um, I expect him to get a knockout in the last rounds. Um, and then, you know, we've got some some younger guys to, to start out the main card. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kyler Phillips against Marcelo Rojo. Um, you know, Kyler Phillips, you know, just, uh, well, both of these guys starting to make the, trying to make a name for themselves in the UFC. Um, I've, I've got Phillips by knockout in round two. I think that could be a fun fight. I mean, these are going to be not too many wrestlers in in uh, this card. So it'll be, it should be a lot of uh, standing up, a lot of, uh, you know, preventing takedowns a lot of guys um just trying to see who who can go the distance who can land that shot that um can wobble the other guy you know give him those baby giraffe legs and start uh <laughs> make him start seeing the the stars at night but um yeah then the, to open up the card you get uh bobby green against uh nasrat uh um i think bobby green uh could win that fight by uh i'm gonna say by split decision so I think it does go the distance. I mean, seeing both of their their fights and the, their track records, they they have gone lengthy fights. They haven't been ones to to really get finishes as of late. So uh, overall, should be fun fights to to watch. Um, I expect it to be uh, pretty good, like any of the other uh, UFC cards of that have happened lately. So uh, exciting, exciting stuff, and I think it kind of clears out some. Uh, clears out and answers some of the questions that we have of what happens in certain divisions or who gets the next title shot or what. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you really just put that all together perfectly. Um, Adesanya against Whitaker. I think that's going to be a great fight as well, obviously being that main event. And 
Yeah, I'm with you as well. I think, you know, uh, Izzy's going to take it. I think he has proven that he's, you know, best of the best for a reason. And obviously Whitaker held his own. Um, his last fight, though, nine months ago, um, beating Kelvin Gastelum by decision. Um, so he's looking to get back with another win as well. So that's going to be exciting. And then, yeah, I think that, that Derek Lewis fight um, going up against Tai Tuivasa, that's going to be electric. It's always fun to watch. <laughs> I feel like especially these two, just because they have such big personalities that, you know, the winner is definitely going to, that post-match interview is going to be something, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> like to be that way with, between these two. It's not a question of if, but it's like, what is, what are they going to say? Like in that post, like fight interview. I mean, like I was, uh, I was paying attention to like some of the like press conferences, like leading up to the fights. And like, I mean, like that's where Tai Tuivasa also like brought up the wine to drink the beer out of like the cup from Lewis. And then like Lewis was like, they asked him uh, like what his shape was. And he's like, yeah, I'm in great shape. Like I had an extra, like, session with my wife and it was just like well, like they're just like they're just characters both of them yeah, um absolutely. so <laughs> so it should be should be a fun fight yeah again that is happening february 12th so this upcoming this weekend um gonna be absolutely electric um trying to look at the odds right now for these i find it it's minus 280 Whitaker's plus 230 so Izzy is once again the favorite there um so that's going to be fun to watch Eric Lewis on the other hand he's minus 180 against Vasa. so we'll see what happens there um obviously Lewis and Adesanya once again the favorites it'll be fun to watch it's going to be a nice way to really just bring in this weekend of sports because we have a lot of college basketball going on, on Saturday. We already mm-hmm. brought the Super Bowl happening on Sunday, and this is really just a nice little centerpiece in the middle of everything, um, sandwiched in between this weekend of sports here. So, really looking forward to that. It's going to be a fantastic competition yet again from USC. They always seem to put on some great events. So, really looking forward to that. But um, what's been going on recently, at least for the next week and a half or so, or possibly week, I'm not even sure to be honest, but um, we're in the midst of the Olympics and the winter games happening in Beijing is a lot going on so far. We've seen some Americans take gold as well. Last time we saw Chloe Kim, we saw Nathan Chen both take gold in their events. And then um, we have also seen uh, Lindsay Jacobellis as well from the U.S. So um, that's been really exciting to see so far. Um, the medal count right now is Germany has the most gold medals with six, Norway five, and then going on from there, Austria and the Netherlands are tied with the U.S. with four each as well. So um, it's been a great competition here so far. Altogether, the U.S. has 10 total medals with five silvers and one bronze to their name. Um, really just took, you know, a little bit for the U.S. to, you know, break through and get that first gold. The Jack of was able to get that the other night and now they're looking for more obviously russian olympic committee has 11 total and austria leads the total medal count right now with 13 norway has 12 so there's a lot going on but brevin i'll I'll start with you in terms of the olympics um what have you watched and or is there anything in particular that has really stood out to you i think the one thing that stood out to me was probably, I think the one bronze medal the United States has from Jesse Dagan's. Um, earlier this week, she became the first American to medal in the women's, the women's freestyle sprints and uh, uh, cross-country skiing with a bronze medal. And for her to win that race was, for her to medal in that race was huge because I think that's what really, um, I can't remember who who finished who the American was that finished fourth, but it really was kind of like refreshing to see that you know, just, you know we see an American medal and um, the women's freestyle sprint. So I think that's the one that probably stands out right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's been really a solid game so far. 
And when you look at the U.S., what they've been able to do, um, I think what really stood out to me is snowboarding. I, I think that's really just been my favorite in taking, you know, everything that's been going on as well. Um, you know, mixed team aerials in the freestyle skiing U.S. I mean, that team was able to bring home the gold as well. I mean, um, just fantastic Olympics so far. I, I think, you know, what I'm really looking forward to is Sean White and he, mm -hmm. his competition, what he's been doing for the half five. I think he is going this evening um, trying to get yet another gold. And it's his fifth Olympic Games. He has three golds to his name. But he's trying to add to that before he's done because when he's done with this game, he's retiring. And this is really his last to secure another if he ends up on the podium, I think it's successful for him at his age. I think he's 34, 35 right now. And um, seeing him in, in qualifiers, um, he looked, you know, just the usual Sean White. I mean, it's nothing different. So I think that's um, something I'm really looking forward to. And, and obviously, I watched Chloe Kim last night. That was electric. Um, saw a couple of clips of Nathan Chen on Twitter. And I mean, it's just great to see, you know, the big names from the United States just really to stand out so far. And I think that's what's important. Obviously, Shifrin, she kind of faltered the other night, um, but she has some competitions left to go. And obviously, um, she's going to be held to high standards and wouldn't be surprised if she ends up on a podium either way, just because of her talent. But Christian, now going to you, I mean, have you watched any Olympics so far? And are you looking to forward to anything in particular or, or what's kind of just, you know, something that, has been a uh, number one highlight in your eyes. Yeah, I mean, in the past, I haven't uh, paid attention to the Winter Olympics as much as I wanted to. Um, so this year, I kind of like made it a, a priority that like I wanted to pay more attention to it and start start watching sports that like I really had like not really known about, um, wanted to see something new. Um, so like the other night, I was watching the uh, women's luge and so I saw uh, for Germany, Natalie Geisenberg, uh, Berger, who got the her third consecutive gold medal in women's luge. And I mean, like just seeing them, like the way they're on their backs, like on this uh, kind of sled, I guess, if you could say, like, um, it's just how fast they go. It's just like they're they're just going like a bullet. Like, you know, in that final, they were like going over like 70 miles an hour. And it was like, I can't imagine what it feels like to be in that position i mean they were um they're kind of like showing some highlights too of like earlier competition of like some people that faltered and like just by like the slightest like movement or like hitting the wall whatever it was like some people like had like broken ribs or like broken bones in their back and stuff like that and it was like wow like how like delicate it is like it looks so i guess to like somebody who who's never like watched that sport before you say like it looks so simple like how could that like result in something so so painful but it's like it's really um you know just really careful having to be in that in that competition so i watched that um i watched the men's uh speed skating uh i watched the 5000 meter final so i saw the uh i think he was dutch uh i think his name was uh saw mills vanderpool something like that um so he clinched the, the gold medal in speed skating. I mean, those guys are flying. I mean, 5,000 meters, that's at least over, at least over three miles, just a little bit over three miles. And it's like, they do it in like six minutes, like just under like six, uh, six and a half minutes. And it's just, they're flying around that, that indoor, uh, indoor rink. Um, I've watched that. I've paid attention uh, since I've like in more recent years, gotten into hockey. I, I started yeah. watching the the ice hockey, so I've been following uh, USA women, uh, you know, with their victories that they've gotten against uh, the Russian Olympic Committee, Switzerland, Finland. I think they play tomorrow against the Czech Republic, um, kind of like around noonish. So I'll I'll try to watch that game. Um, I also watched uh, the ski jumping. So I saw the uh, her name was Ursa Ursa Bogataj. Mm -hmm. And uh, she won a gold medal in the normal hill course. And it's just like, I mean, same thing for professional skiers. I mean, the way that they're able to to navigate the terrain and, and go at the speeds they are. I mean, it's a, 
it, it's fun stuff to watch for the yeah. for any Olympics in general. But Winter Olympics, I mean, it's you know same thing. It's got its own unique uh, its own unique features that that it has in these sports, and it's just uh, you know tough with the elements and and the pressure that these uh, athletes, the way they stay composed and and calm to to get on these medals. I mean, it's uh it's incredible stuff to watch. Absolutely, and uh, honestly. By the way, the, the Olympics are on until February 20th when they conclude. So we'll be talking about this next week as well. But, you know, just in terms of how NBC has advertised these games, I mean, it feels like every single year they're not doing enough. And I just don't know what's going on. You know, you kind of have to go out of your way. Mm-hmm. You have to look online to see, okay, who's competing tonight or, or what events are on tonight. And... It's just I think they could do just so much of a better job marketing the Olympic Games. I mean, just in general, and that that part of it I think is disappointing because for a lot of these athletes, this this is what they train for for you know four years on end. But um, hopefully, we we are able to see a little bit of more advertisement, I guess, in terms of what's going on here in these games. At least tonight, though, we have the men's half pipe, like I mentioned. Uh, the final is going to take place around 6 p.m. Pacific. And then the women's Super G, uh, Alpine Skiing, that's, I think, a they're both going for medals in that as well. So that's going to be at 7 p.m. So that's going on. And then tomorrow as well, we have cross-country, men's 15-kilometer classic style. Um, I believe that is tomorrow at 11 p.m. And then one of my favorite events, actually, speed skating. The 10,000 meter men's speed skating event, I think for the gold medal is going to occur tomorrow at midnight. So that's going to be fun to watch as well. But um, also upcoming tonight, I forgot to mention, is women's ice hockey. It's the quarterfinal between the U.S. and Czech Republic. That's going to be at 8.10 p.m. Pacific. One thing I do think is interesting, though, with all these sports is they're competing in morning in Beijing. So we're getting all these events in prime time or, or later at mm-hmm. night. I think that's interesting how, you know, the Olympics, they cater to the United States prime time. And, you know, and it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of, you know, buzz surrounding the Olympics, especially with the way that NBC markets these, these games. But I guess it's working out and, and they're making profit off of it in the end. So. <laughs> Whatever works, I guess. So, but I think that part of it is interesting. How, how a lot of these athletes in Beijing local time are competing in the morning. Um, so they kind of have to readjust their bodies to that as well. So I think that's pretty, um, that's another intangible part of the Olympics. I, I find, you know, um, kind of different. But we'll see what happens with these games. Hopefully the U.S. gets more goals and, and we see what happens. All right. And we are going to conclude today's episode. A little bit of a longer episode, but we're going to conclude with some Super Bowl trivia. We have this time Brevin going up against Christian. Obviously, Brevin was sort of the moderator when Christian and I picked our NBA All Star mock draft teams. But this is Christian and Brevin going head to head. I think the best way to do this is to give each one of you a guess um, each, and then we just, you know, keep following that kind of pattern but the topic we all know the subject of the super bowl but the topic the specific topic is going to be super bowl mvps so there are five players and i'll give a little spoiler or a hint to you guys they're all quarterbacks there are five quarterbacks who have won multiple super bowl mvp awards And what you guys have to try and do is try and guess all five or as many as you can get. And um, it it seems kind of simple, but there are a couple names in here you might be surprised about. So um, Christian, since you're our guest, I'll let you go first. And obviously there's, you know, a pretty, there's an answer that's pretty obvious on its own, but I'll let you go first either way. Imagine one of them is Tom Brady. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so, so that's easy. That's your first guess. That's, that's, um, that's a point there for 
for, for Christian. So um, I'll just read off of Tom Brady's Super Bowl honors real quick. He won back in 2002 with Super Bowl 36. He won in 2004 and Super Bowl 38 as well. And then back in 2015, when the Patriots defeated the Seahawks, um, that was Super Bowl 49. And then as well as 2017, Super Bowl 51, when they defeated the Eagles, or not the Eagles, but um, when they won that year as well. I can't remember who they played that year. <laughs> <laughs> but back in 2017, when he won Super Bowl 51, See, I lose count because he, he won so much. And then, obviously, last season with the Buccaneers, his one and only ring with them, um, defeating the Chiefs. So that is Tom Bray's Super Bowl MVP resume. He has five all-time, and that's two more than someone who is second on the slip. Brevin, do you want to – and it doesn't have to be necessarily in the direct order, but – Brevin, throw out a name. Kyle, you're going to like this pick because he won a championship with this team. I'm going to go with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning actually only has one Super Bowl MVP award, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, so so Peyton Manning, I believe it was, let me check just in case, back in 2007 with the Colts. so oh, yeah, he obviously, didn't win that MVP with the Broncos. Only, Darn. Yeah, with the Broncos oh. and Von Miller uh, back in 2015 when they beat the Panthers. That would, that would have been my second guess, too. Wow. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's something that surprises a lot of people. But we'll go back to you, Christian. Other um, quarterbacks when they have four names on this list. Yeah. Man, I think. I feel pretty confident about this one, but I think I'm going to say Bart Starr for the Packers. Yes. I think, it's because, I, I think it's because I remember he was like the first one, the first quarterback to win an MVP in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, he, he won Super Bowls one and two with the Packers, and subsequently, after his performances in those, won the first and second Super Bowl MVP awards. So he was the leader of that team and he was able to secure MVPs with them after the big game. So Christian has uh, two points now. Wow. All right. And Brevin, you're 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 back on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure out. Tom Brady just Tom Brady's taking too many championship MVPs. <laughs> he really has. He really has. <laughs> oh man. Uh Oh, here we go. I'll go with his brother. Go Eli Manning. Yeah, Eli Manning. Yeah, I kind of figured you would hit that one after Peyton. Yeah, Yeah, Eli Manning, obviously, back in 2007, um, or actually 2008, a year after his brother. So that is really interesting there. And then back in 2012 as well, when he won with the Giants, obviously being the only quarterback to defeat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. And I mean, just absolutely incredible what he was able to do in the playoffs. And that's why, you know, he, he is potentially a big reason why he's going to go in the Hall of Fame just because of those wins. Mm-hmm. And he beat the best there. And um, back in 2012, that was when they won 21 to 17. And everyone always obviously remembers Helma Catch as well being a part of that Super Bowl. So, um, Two big wins to his name, and he ended up with MVP honors. So it's Christian two, Brevin one, and Christian, you're back on the okay. clock. I, I think two I got names. Okay, another one I believe would be, would it be Joe Montana? Yeah, so Joe Montana is actually the only quarterback besides Tom Brady on this list to have more than two. He has three Super Bowl MVPs, and his first came back in 1982. And 1985, he won the Super Bowl as well, and in 1990. So he really just took over that that 
decade, essentially, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so he won Super Bowl 16 MVP. He won Super Bowl 19 MVP. And then 24. So he was around for years, and he was able to collect some Super Bowl wins as well. So, um, Brevin, can you get the last one? There's one more name on this list. Mm. And it, it might be... When you hear the name, if, if you're not able to guess it, you're going to be kicking yourself a little bit, I think. Damn. That's what I feel like. Yeah. I'm trying to think it. It was like me last week with the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to think of these quarterbacks. He's probably not yeah, on this I'll, list, but I'm, I'm going to go with Brett Favre. I don't know. It's a good guess, but it is not Brett Favre. Um, let me see if Brett Favre has a. Okay, yeah, no, Brett Favre does not have a Super Bowl MVP, so that's pretty interesting. Well, I thought, honestly, hmm. I just assumed he. Yeah, I assumed he would have. Um, but 2011, Aaron Rodgers was the MVP for the Packers winning that Super Bowl. And back in 97, um, funny enough, it was Desmond Howard who oh. won. Um, Super Bowl 31 MVP. So, Christian Wool, we might as well dish it back to you. Um, any name come to mind? Man, another quarterback that would have won it. I, I'm just gonna say just to eliminate the uh, the possibility because I don't I don't think he might have been on it, but I'm not sure. But it, it wouldn't have been Steve Young, would it? No, not Steve no, Young. Not he, Steve Young. Uh, Damn. He did win an MVP back in '95, um, but he was not able to win another one um, back in 1995. That was Super Bowl 29. Mm, okay. So Brevin will go back to you. Oh God. Jesus. <laughs> this is tough. It's- it's always that last one. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'll give you one more guess each, and if you aren't able to get it, then I will give you guys more. The only one I get picture. Is it a Q- I, oh. Yeah, it's a QB. Yeah, quarterback. Yeah. Joe Namath? Was it within, like, the past, like, oh, maybe Brevin's got it? Joe Namath? That is a good guess, but he only won – one MVP as well. Nineteen sixty nine Super three with the Jets. Yeah. Oh my. I'll give you I'll give you this thing. This quarterback won with his team the MVP of Super Bowl thirteen and fourteen. Oh my god. His so, way back. Exactly. So two years before Joe Montana won his first Super Bowl MVP. Oh wow. I have no idea who it could be. I, I genuinely don't know. Do you guys want me to tell you? My next guess was... No, I, yeah, I'm not sure. All right, I'll, I'll just tell you guys. You guys did good. Christian got three, Brevin got one. But the last name you're looking for here is Harry Bradshaw. Oh, my oh. God. That's, <laughs> yeah, what, that's who I was going to guess, too, but I just held <laughs> back. I was like, no chance. Damn it. Honestly, if it was up to me, I, I would have assumed he only won. <laughs> like, I would have guessed probably Joe Namath as well. Yeah, um, that was a good guess. Manning, I knew just because of the Broncos, but um, you guys had some really good guesses. I mean, I, I probably I couldn't have done any better than you guys. No chance, but um, yeah, so Terry Bradshaw, um, the MVP of Super Bowl 13 and 14, wow. consecutive years with the Steelers. And that concludes the list of players, which are ultimately all quarterbacks with multiple MVPs. So, obviously, leading that list is Tom Brady with five, Joe Montana with three, Star Bradshaw, and Eli Manning with two each. So, that, that was pretty solid, though. I mean, you guys got four out of five. I, I just still don't understand how Brett Favre doesn't have a Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> yeah, that is wild. I mean, <laughs> Super, what was it, Super Bowl 31, did I say? 
Um, when Desmond Howard was the MVP of that, yeah, I mean, usually when you consider, you know, any sort of Super Bowl MVP, you're not going to, you know, think it's, you know, a kick returner. But in that game, um, Brett Favre threw for two touchdowns and ran for one as well. Wow. But Desmond Howard ultimately ended up winning the MVP because he had a 99-yard 99 yard kickoff return for touchdown in the third quarter, um, giving the Packers a 35-21 lead, and they held on uh, to beat the Patriots. So that's pretty interesting as well. Um, something you would never guess. Um, a kick returner like Desmond Howard. Obviously, <laughs> we see all the time on like, college game day and stuff like that. But, yeah, he is actually a Super Bowl MVP. That's so crazy. that's pretty interesting after such a good college career, too. But, yeah, that, that was all I guess from you guys. All right. That'll wrap it up here today on Down the Line, our third and fourth episode of this podcast led by myself and Brevin Honda. We want to thank Christian Alvarez yet again for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you on and uh, to hear your point of view and Obviously, your expertise fall in as many sports as you do, NBA, UFC, you can name it. And uh, make sure to go follow him at Alvarez Viper on Twitter, Instagram. He's everywhere. Um, and uh, always a pleasure to have you, Christian. Uh, any last words for you? Just uh, pre- appreciate you guys for, for having me on. Um, always a, always an honor to come on this uh, you know wonderful podcast with you guys and and just talking sports. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's always a blast time flies whenever I'm with you guys on air here. So um, thank you guys again for, for thinking of me and, and inviting me to come on your platform. Um, and I uh, yeah, just appreciate the time that you guys made out of your day to just chat some sports with me. Absolutely. Yeah. Always a pleasure to have you on Christian, like I mentioned. Um, right before we wrap up here, uh, one more trade just happened. Oh, Montrezl Carroll is to the Hornets. Oh. Ooh. So, wow. Um, we are about what is that 35 minutes away from the trade deadline so um everybody go follow Woj and, and Shem if you haven't already <laughs> yep uh, I'm sure you all do anyways keep but track. <laughs> yeah no there, there's a lot to keep track of so um yeah we'll definitely be following that and if any if any other big trades happen Ref and I will talk about it next week as well so stay tuned for that but thank you again for listening down the line if you haven't um, go listen to our other episodes and subscribe and follow us on social media at Brevin Honda, at Kyle B. Best, and we will see you next week.